Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Well, it's good to be with you this evening, and I am looking forward to this message. But before I start, let me welcome you to come join my Bible study on Wednesdays, every Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. at Top Hat Pools and Stoves. That is located at 2258 Main Street, Wheeling, West Virginia. So if you live in the local area, please consider coming. We dive deep into the Word of God, and there is no question that that is a dumb question, and I welcome all kinds of questions. So I would really encourage you to come if you really want to learn and understand God's Word. Tonight's message is called, Don't Just Walk On By. In 1964, Dionne Warwick made this song famous, Walk On By. And if I could sing like Dion, I'd sing you a few bars, but I'm not Dion. So if you've lived long enough to be around in 1964, you remember this song. Well, Jesus had something to say about just walking on by. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, Jesus shares the story about the Good Samaritan. So open your Bible and read with me. I am reading out of the New King James Version. Starting with verse 25, chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? 
And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to, to him, the lawyer, Go and do likewise. An interesting story. Let me help you with this story, starting with the lawyer. Who was this man? Well, he was a man of the law, a lawyer, but not in the sense that you and I understand law. He was not a legal lawyer. He was a religious lawyer. He was an expert who made it his business to know and understand the details of the Jewish religion. He had studied the scriptures in the Old Testament. He knew all the traditions. He obviously would have known the law of Moses. But the scripture says he wanted to test Jesus. Now, men like this lawyer, religious Jews, were antagonistic to Jesus. It seems he may have wanted to grade the teacher by seeing how Jesus was going to answer his question, which was, teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? Jesus quickly turns the tables by asking him a question. What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? The lawyer gave the right answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus told him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Now, in saying that, Jesus knew that this man could not obey these commands, and neither can you or I. Do this and you will live sounds simple, but in reality, those commands are impossible to keep in our human strength alone. We need the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Now, this man, Scripture says, wanted to justify himself and said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This means he may have wanted to convince himself that the law's demands were limited, thereby limiting his responsibility. That might get him off the hook, so to speak. So he pressed Jesus further by asking, who is my neighbor? To answer the question, Jesus tells a parable, a story. He says a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, if you've been to Jerusalem, and I have several times, Jerusalem literally is a city set on a hill. You have to, many times the scripture says, refers to going up to Jerusalem. Well, going up to Jerusalem is because it is seated up on a hill. Now, the distance from Jerusalem to Jericho was about 18 miles or so, and it was a very steep descent of about 3,000 feet. It was notor notoriously dangerous because it curved through rocky and desolate terrain. It was called the Bloody Way because of the thieves and robbers who infested this countryside. Picture in your mind this man, this certain man who fell among thieves. They stripped him naked, bloodied him from head to toe, beating him to within an inch of his life, and leaving him half dead. Can you imagine how gruesome and violent this was? 
punching him over and over again with their hands, or a stick till he was almost dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when the priest saw the man, he passed by on the other side. This priest showed no love, no compassion for the man, did nothing to help this man. He just walked on by. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived on the scene, he came, he actually looked at the man. He just walked on by. He passed by on the other side. Now, Levites were assistants to the priest, so their work was within the temple. And according to the book of Leviticus, the priests and the Levites were not allowed to be near dead people because it rendered them ceremoniously unclean. They would be considered defiled. They were not allowed to even bury the dead or be in the same room as a dead person unless, and this was the only caveat, unless it was a member of their immediate family. They were to maintain their purity and holiness by not being associated with the dead. The man on the road may have appeared dead, so they did not want to risk defilement. So they deliberately refused to help. Now, rabbinic regulations tell us that preservation of life is a priority that trumps all others. Even, even if they had become defiled, they could have gone through the process to become clean again. And let me just say this. Obviously, the man was not dead. But if you and I were beat up that badly and wounded, I know myself, I would probably be in such agony that I would be moaning and groaning and making some kind of sound. So I, I, I believe the priest and the Levite knew he wasn't dead. But they just didn't want to. I mean, they used their religious law as an excuse not to help. You know, this shows the extent of the help of religious people who are bound by forms and rituals which cannot be broken even to save a life. And you know, the church is full of them today. Nothing's changed. The church is full of religious people. They are bound to traditions and forms and rituals, and they just can't allow the move of the Holy Spirit. Oh, goodness gracious, that would just cause a stir. Jesus continues his story by saying a certain Samaritan came by, and when he saw the man, he took action because he had compassion. You see, Samaritans were considered a low class of people by the Jews. Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried with non-Jews and did not keep all the law, so they were despised and hated by Jews. Yet it was a Samaritan man who bandaged 
his wounds, poured oil, which soothed the pain, and wine, which was a disinfectant. The Samaritan man now puts the wounded man on his own animal and takes him to an inn for a time of healing and pays the innkeeper with his own money. And then he goes above, above and beyond. Now, he could have just dropped off this man, waited that day to the next day, make sure he's getting better, and could have went on his merry way. But no, no. He went above and beyond by telling the innkeeper to take good care of the man and that he would pay for any extra expenses on his return trip. That says a lot about the character of the Samaritan man, who was not a religious man, like the lawyer, like the priest, like the Levite. Jesus was drawing a strong contrast between those who knew the law, the religious law, and those who actually followed the law in their lifestyle and conduct. Jesus so graciously painted a picture of love and compassion for a fellow human by detailing all the ways the Good Samaritan expressed by what it was meant, by what is meant by love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it was just kind of a gouge to the lawyer. In other words, do you see the hypocrisy of what you were saying, sir? I'm showing you the hypocrisy by sharing this story to you. Imagine the shame of this man. He must have felt horrible, embarrassed. I mean, he was naked. And he was in intense pain and suffering. But the Samaritan bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him, paid two denarii to the innkeeper, which was two days' wage, told the innkeeper, keep track of what you spend, and I will repay you when I return. Now, Jesus asks the lawyer the next question. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer answered, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Mercy is a concept that in today's culture, it, it kind of almost doesn't even exist. James 2.13 says this. It says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Simply stated, if you cannot show mercy to a person, you will not be given mercy when you need it. You'll receive judgment. How do we define mercy? Well, I'm going to give you my definition first. Mercy is a loving gift given to someone who does not deserve it. Mercy is compassion in action. 
It's also God's kindness and goodness toward us. You see, Jesus paid a price for my sins and your sins, and I deserve judgment and death, but because of his mercy, he gave me liberty and life eternal. I did not deserve life eternal and liberty. I did not deserve it. I deserved judgment and death, but because of his mercy, and Paul writes that Jesus was rich in mercy, he gave me liberty and life eternal. That's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, if there's any reason to thank Jesus, and if there's any reason to, to praise his holy name, it's because of his mercy toward us, because we deserved judgment and death. Lamentations 3.22 says this, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. So the question to you is, where would you be without his mercies? Where would I be without his mercies? I would be consumed, and so would you. But see, we're not consumed because of his mercies. Let me read to you what King David wrote in Psalm 40. This is what mercy looked like to the king. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. Ah, he's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. I don't know about you. I don't know about your past, your life. But I came up out of a horrible pit. I came up out of the miry clay. And let me tell you, this Jesus set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. And I can tell you assuredly that he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Hallelujah. I want to share a story. This is a true story. I don't know if any of you out there listening, perhaps someone might be a sheep farmer. If you are, you're going to understand this story. You're going to know it well. If you're not, let me share it. Now, this is a true story of mercy and compassion. Every once in a while, a ewe will give birth to a lamb and reject it. There are many reasons she may do this. If the lamb is returned to the ewe, the mother may even kick the poor animal away. And once a ewe rejects one of her lambs, she will never change her mind. These little lambs will hang their heads so low, it looks like something is wrong with its neck. Their spirit is broken. These lambs are called bummer lambs. Unless the shepherd intervenes, 
that lamb will die, rejected and alone. So do you know what the shepherd does? He takes that rejected little lamb into his home, hand feeds it, keeps it warm, and he wraps it up in blankets and holds it to his chest so the bummer lamb can hear his heartbeat. Once the lamb is strong enough, the shepherd will place it back in the field with the rest of the flock, and it will do well. But that sheep never forgets how the shepherd cared for him when his mother rejected him. When the shepherd calls for the flock, sheep, 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 guess who runs to him first? Yep, you guessed it, the bummer sheep. He knows his voice intimately. It is not that the bummer lamb is loved more. It just knows intimately the one who loves it. It's not that it is loved more. It just believes it because it has experienced that love one-on-one. So many of us are bummer lambs, rejected and broken. You know, I I preached yesterday in a church in South Valair, Ohio, and, you know, I looked at the congregation and I said, you know, there's not a one of you sitting here that has has never experienced rejection. We have all experienced rejection in one way or another. Some some, um, babies in the womb can feel that rejection. There are mothers who actually reject that baby while it's in their womb. And then others are little children, and they feel rejection from parents. Maybe the father leaves. Maybe, maybe the mother's on drugs and doesn't care. We can receive rejection from teachers, coaches, authority figures, pastors, friends, our best friends. We have all had a form of rejection in one way or the other. So yes, we're all bummer lambs at some point in our life, rejected and broken, but he is the good shepherd. He cares for our every need and holds us close to his heart so he can so we can hear his heartbeat we may be broken but we are deeply loved by the shepherd and i believe david growing up as a shepherd when he wrote this he truly understood the love of his shepherd when he writes the lord is my shepherd i shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, surely, 
surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think many of us can relate to the man who was beaten and left to die. He was rejected by the two people who should have been motivated by God to help him. But they walked on by. Today, pastors fill that role as spiritual leaders. Could you imagine a pastor finding a man along the road, all beaten and naked, and just walking on by, going to the other side, not offering help? I don't know. I, I, I don't believe any pastor would do that. And yet these two religious people could not find within their heart to release compassion and caring for this poor man along the road. We have to look at our own lives. Maybe we have walked on by when we could have offered help to someone in need. And I'm not talking about somebody, someone laying in a ditch that's all naked and beaten and wounded. But there are other circumstances where we could have helped, but we didn't. Maybe because of prejudice, skin color, race, age. You know, it's, it's those times when we're kind of tested to see how are we going to respond in this particular situation. And so I would just say, if you have ever done that, if you have ever just walked on by, if you have rejected someone, someone who's broken, and you've never offered help, would you just repent? Would you just take a moment before the Lord and repent? Because I believe we probably have all done this in one form or another. As I said, many of us are not going to experience to the extreme that Jesus is writing about in this particular parable, but there are other forms of just walking on by and not helping or offering to help someone in need. So if that's something that the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart about, I'm asking you to just take a moment and repent before the Lord. I want you to always remember this. This is what I'm going to end the message with is, if you want mercy extended to you, you must give mercy first. Mercy will always triumph over judgment. Amen. Well, this is Don Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. You can download the iHeartRadio app. Go to Pure Heart Ministries podcast and listen 24-7. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And you can write me at Don at pureheart.today, all lowercase letters, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today. 
please write me and let me know what you think of the message. You have comments. I'd love to hear from you. And of course, uh, I'm always grateful and gracious to those who pray for this ministry. I mean, if you're praying for the ministry, why don't you send me an email and let me know you're praying for the ministry? I would love that bit of encouragement. And of course, I really ask that you would consider, please consider, giving financial help to this ministry. And you can write me and send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I know that many of you are listening all the way from Maine to Florida. So please consider a financial gift. Well, this is Don Noble. I look forward to being with you again next week. Shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.